Are you ready for God's word? You know, I say, I, I like to remind us that questions focus our mind. Not only do they focus us, they make us come up with an answer. Your brain will start to come up with an answer. So when I say, how are you feeling? You know, you're going to ask yourself, how am I feeling? My prayer is that you would say, I feel great. This is God's day. Say, well, what if I don't feel great? You know, you can, you can take yourself in whatever direction you want to take yourself. You want to take yourself down a, a bad trail? You, you can say, I feel lousy. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's terrible. But, but it's going to get more terrible because nobody's going to want to be around you. Or you can say, this is a great day. This is wonderful. I might be feeling a little sore, but at least it reminds me I'm alive. You know, it... it, it I feel good to be in God's house. I also want you to lean in. I want you to lean in and experience the spiritual thing that's about to happen. See, I truly believe that when God's word is spoken, God attends his word. And God speaks out of the need of his people. And God will prepare our hearts, but not only prepare our hearts, he will let it flow in and through so that it makes the difference that he has appointed it to make. But if you're leaning back and you're closed off, then it's going to bounce off. So you want to lean in and you want to listen and be receptive and say, Lord, I'm ready to have this make the difference I know it can make. Amen? You ready? Here we go. Um, I do want to ask you to invite a friend. See, many of us want marriage uh, blessings. How many of us want our marriage to be blessed? Raise your hand. I don't think anybody's going to go, yeah, no, I want the opposite. I want a good curse. (laughs) If you want a good curse, you don't have to do a thing. The enemy will give it to you. Believe me. But if you want to be blessed, you've got to lean into God. One of the best ways to be blessed is to ask God to use you to be a blessing in somebody else's life. This is spiritual truth. You get what you plant. You say, Pastor, that's not spiritual truth. That's just truth. If I plant an apple tree, I'm going to, an apple seed, I'm going to get an apple tree. That's right. It's called the, the, the law of sowing and reaping. You're going to reap what you sow. So if you bless someone, you're going to reap a blessing. Amen. Go and bless someone this week. Someone that you know could, could use this. You say, but pastor, I don't know what's going on in their lives. That's right. You don't. So they could probably use it. I'd invite them. Also, I want to I remind you, there is no elevate for those that are up for adults and children, but our youth, our youth midweek service will continue on. Bring your young people Wednesday night. We've had record numbers and the, the group just keeps growing. You know what I find so interesting about it? Um, and Raquel and her entire team made this very, very plain at the parents' night. There is beginning to be a, just a groundswell of young people who desire to hear more of God's word. Just desire God's word. Desire to learn. You know, um, it's not about tricking them here. It's not about giving them all kinds of stuff. We're just basically saying, hey, we've got a spiritual feast. Come, and they're coming. And the more we teach and the more we pray and the more we love on them, the more they come. So bring your young person. You're not going to want to miss that. Now, we've been talking about winning together. Do you know the key to winning together is turning toward each other, not on each other? And it's interesting because That's easier said than done. Typically, when pressure hits a marriage or pressure hits anything, you're going to want a way out, and we get frustrated. 
frustration will come out in different ways. Some folks react in anger. Some folks get depressed. Some folks shrink back. Some folks will blame. It doesn't, you can always tell what you're made of when you go through a pressuresome situation. And if you guys are attacking each other, turning on each other, then there's some work to be done. There's some work to be done. How many of us know that the pressure will reveal where you can put your energy and where if you work in that area, you'll have the highest results. So we want to learn how to not to get frustrated with each other, how to love each other, how to care for one another. I'm going to give you three points that I think will bless your marriage. Anyone ready to be blessed? If you're ready, take some notes. And the first point is be positive. Someone said, Pastor, I'm positive this marriage thinks. Not exactly the positive thinking I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a positive mindset that believes for better. You know, being positive is having faith. And having faith is believing. Believing what? Well, the truth is you can have faith. You can have faith for God's blessing or you can have faith in the other direction. How so? Do you know you're getting talked to by more than one person? You say, person. Person means identity. It means, it means individual. It, it means a something or someone. Absolutely. You're, there's, an, there's an evil force. The Bible calls him the devil, Satan. And he will, not just maybe not personally, but his minions and his demons will speak to you. You say, oh, pastor, you're freaking me out. Well, uh, some of us need to wake up. Wake up and understand that the enemy doesn't want your, your marriage to succeed. The reason he doesn't want your marriage to succeed is because he wants to shame God. He wants to go against that which God has declared good. See, God said it's not good for man to be alone, so I will make for him a helpmate. I will make for him a partner. I will make a family where they can come together and they can they can gain strength, and in that strength, they can have children, and then the children grow up under the covering and protection of a family, what, submitted to God. And so God is the head, and then the family is under the covering of God, and the, the husband and wife provide a covering for the children. But if the enemy can come in and separate that covering, then when there's separation, he can have access to the children. And he begins working in their lives. Uh, and, and so I want you to know right up front that you have, you have an enemy that will speak to you if you're not careful. But you also have the Holy Spirit in God if you belong to him and if you've professed saving faith, that he will speak to you. Question is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? And, and if you want to know where you stand, consider how positive are your words? Are your words life-bringing? Do they encourage? Do they build up? You say, Pastor, I'm not one of those name it, claim it kind of people. I just call it like I see it. Maybe you need to see it differently. You can always say, well, I just call the glass half empty. Well, what if you start looking at it and saying it's half full? See, empty means I'm going down. Full means I'm going up. 
See, God is filling me up. I may not be where I, where I need to be, but I thank you, God, that I'm not where I was. Lord, I'm making progress. I'm moving forward. I'm not moving back. And this mindset, you might say, well, this sounds so, so elementary, yet it makes all the difference in the world. You know, there's been a lot of talk now uh, here recently and what it is to have that championship mindset. Kobe Bryant said he had the Mamba mentality. That, that was his brand. But what he was saying was, I have a championship mindset. A championship mindset believes for more. They don't go into a game if you're a champion saying, I'm already defeated. There's nothing I can do. I, 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 it's done. It's time to throw in the towel. They always believe for more. Always believe for more. Let me ask you this. Do you believe for more to, for your marriage? Do you believe for more for your children? You might be here today and you might say, Pastor, I'm not married, so I don't have to think about it. Not a championship mindset. Can I tell you, if you go into marriage thinking like a single, it won't be long before you are single again. Meaning you've got to start practicing the championship marriage mindset now if you want to have a great marriage. What does that mean? It means you've got to believe that God has great things for you now. Because if you don't believe that God has great things for you, if you don't keep that positive mindset, that mindset of faith, saying, I'm a catch. I have this talk with my, with my interns. I always sit them down and I, I tell them, I don't know if you know this, but you're a catch. You've got to see yourself like I'm something special. Anyone who gets with me, she will be lucky to have me. You know why they'll be lucky to have me? Because I serve the Lord and I love the Lord and I will give more than I take and I will bless more than I receive. And I have this mindset that I'm for people. It reminds me of a little verse in Matthew 7:12. How many of you know what Matthew 7:12 is? It happens to be the verse of the day. How many of you get the verse of the day? Every day before I do anything else, I read my verse. I read my verse, and it says, it says what? What is the verse of the day today? Anyone? Do unto others, very good, Monty. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. For this, what, sums up all the law and the prophets. So Jesus is saying, you want to know what all the Old Testament is about? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Be selfless. And that's the championship mindset of being positive. How am I going to lift somebody up? How am I going to take what God has given me and give it to somebody else? Because the more I give, the more God gives. Because God is a never-ending river. Amen. How'd the song go? We just sang it. You are never-ending river, flowing full of power. See, some of us just just come for the message. Do you know the message starts with what you're singing? With what you're singing, because what you're singing gets deep down in your soul. And if you believe that God is a never-ending flow, then you say, Lord, the more you give me, the more I have to give away. Because the more I give away, the more you just keep flooding my life. And the more I can manage to give away, the more you'll give me. And so, Lord, I believe, watch, this is how it works. As a single, I believe that I'm a catch. Why? Because you have called me fearfully and wonderfully made, that you love me with an everlasting love, that you have forgiven me of all my sins so I don't walk away around with shame. You walk around with shame, you're going to believe you, you deserve less. And when you believe you deserve less, the enemy will bring you exact, exactly lower than you even thought. <laughs> 
And so I want you to have, I want you to position yourself, singles. You say, but pastor, are we, are we talking to, to these that have never been married? Maybe you've been divorced and you got beat up so bad that this message is for you. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. You need to start believing in faith and walking the positivity that God desires for you because that's what you're going to attract. That's what you're going to put out there. That's what you're going to sow into the ground. That's what you're going to grow up. Be positive. What do we mean by be positive? Give up that, that victim mindset. What does it mean to be a victim? A victim is helpless. You might say, Pastor, but if you've ever been a victim, there's times when you're helpless. That's true. There's times when you're helpless and horrible things happen in this world because there's a lot of brokenness and the enemy is constantly trying to, trying to exploit, steal, kill, and destroy. And so, so there is times when we're victims and we fall down and we're hurt and we're battered and bruised. But at some point, you've got to determine not to remain a victim. Can I say that again? At some point, we have to determine not to remain a victim. To remain a victim is to keep saying, there's nothing I can do. I guess this is all I'll ever be. I guess this is where I was broken and, and I'll never be rebuilt. I'll never be. Listen, Jesus Christ can put you back together. Jesus Christ is the answer. We need to understand that we are more than conquerors. The, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, 37, he says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you realize what the verse is before this verse? Does anyone know what the verse is before this verse? I didn't plan on saying this, but I know what the verse is. He says, and yet all day long, we are what? I don't know if they're going to put it up there. They, they, you don't have to. I'll quote it for you. And yet all day long we are led like sheep to the slaughter. What does that mean? This is what the Apostle Paul's saying. We have a real enemy and his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to come at you with everything he has and he's going to try to destroy you and he's going to knock you down and he's going to hurt you. But you are not a victim. Stand up tall because God has overcome that enemy. And if you have God, you have everything you need to overcome him in his power. Amen. If you don't believe me, read the rest of the verse. Listen to this. Yet in all these things, even though he comes at us and tries to kill us every day, it's kind of like binky in the brain. You go, okay, that's kind of weird. Kind of like from nowhere, you're bringing up binky and the brain. What, is, what does binky ask the brain every day? Hey, brain, what are we going to do today? The same thing we do every day. Try to what? Try to conquer, take over the world, right? Okay, watch this. The demons come up. Hey, Satan, what are we going to do today? Same thing we do every day. Try to kill some Christians. Try to dash some marriages. Some of you go, Pastor, I don't know if I believe that too much. Listen. One of the best things the enemy has done is convince people he doesn't exist. If he doesn't exist in your mind, then you'll never see what he's up to. Because you're blind. You're like, no, I don't want to see it. Meanwhile, the enemy's got saying, 
Nothing to look at here. Keep moving. Nothing to look at here. I'm just going to do my thing, and that's destroy your marriage. But listen, this is what, what, what Paul is saying. And even if he tries to kill you all day, every day, we already know that's his plan. But we are more than conquerors. Read this. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor demons, nor Satan, nor any other thing present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's time to gird ourselves up in faith and be positive of the fact that God defeated whatever you might be facing on the cross. He defeated it. He also said, greater is he who is within you. Now, who's within you? The spirit of the living God. He's greater than he who is in the world. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, Jesus said. In the world, you will have tribulations. It means you're going to have hard times, but you're not a victim. You are not powerless. You are more than a conqueror. Be of good cheer. That means gird yourself up with hope and faith and belief. That's what he's saying. I have overcome the world. I've overcome him. I've overcome death. And you are an overcomer too. You say, oh, pastor, man, I, I can feel it. I can feel the energy. That's God's spirit saying, I have more for you. Living with a victim mentality is draining. Not only is it draining, it's depressing. You say, man, that's the truth. Listen to me very closely. When I first said this, you're thinking about the person next to you. Living with a victim mentality, whoever's living with a victim mentality, it's draining to the other person. Before you go outside of you, just think of you. If you have a victim mentality, you're draining yourself. You're depressing yourself. And then you depress and drain those around you. And I believe God wants more for you. If you're single, if you've been divorced, you can't live this way. If you're married, you can't live this way. I don't care who you are. This isn't what God desires of us. We got to stop the victim mindset and understand what it does. It zaps us of life. Because it tends to focus and put our faith out on something other than God. So you say, okay, pastor, then what do I do? Very, 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 very simply. Stop whining. Can I help you if you let me? I'm trying to help you if you let me. Stop whining. I mean, it's just incredible how many whiners we have today. Everybody's whining about what they don't have and, and how we've created this. And now we have raised up politicians to be our saviors. Are you kidding me? They can't save themselves, let alone us. Because this is the thing. The victim mentality will constantly look for a savior, for a hero. Can I tell you, you have a hero. He came from glory above. 
He conquered death. He carried his cross all the way up to Calvary. He hung there for love because he loved you. Someone said they nailed him to the cross and the nails held him there. No, his love held him there. The Bible tells him that if he didn't want to be crucified, nothing, no power on this earth could have made him go to that cross. With one word, we'd cease to exist. He chose because he was not a victim. It was of his own free will. And you have the same free will to focus, to stop whining, to stop being a victim. But, but let's talk more about the victim and the whining mentality. When you feel that you need a savior, a helper, in all the wrong ways, you'll look for one. And typically, you'll start looking outside your marriage. This is how it goes. Well, she always speaks so mad at me, and she's always so angry with me, and she don't love me, she don't respect me. Just whining, whining, whining. And the enemy will bring somebody go, you know what, if you were my husband, I would never treat you that way. I mean, you are such a good father. You're a good provider. What's wrong with her? See, next thing you know, oh, you're my savior. You say, can guys have that attitude? Absolutely guys can have that attitude, and it's pathetic. I'm just going to be real. You got a problem in your marriage? Fix it. Why are you looking for a savior out here? But I'm not just going to talk to the guys. I can't believe he's so mean. I can't believe he always, he doesn't, he doesn't respect anything I do. The other day he was complaining about me washing his clothes. It's not bad enough that I have to slave and work just as hard as he does. And then I have to come home and clean up a dirty house. And not only clean up a dirty house, but do those laundries. He leaves his chonas on the floor. <laughs> Some of you are saying, what are chonas? <laughs> Looking at your, at your spouse, what's a chonie? It's an underwear. He leaves his underwear on the floor and, and then I got to pick him up and, and, and then I fold him and everything and he doesn't even bother to take him to his dresser and then he has a nerve and then, then somebody starts hearing and saying, man, if you were my wife, I would never treat you that way. When was the last time he told you, you're a gorgeous girl? Oh, I like that. See, because... A victim will look for a hero, and a victim always needs a bad guy. Guess who ends up being the bad guy? Your spouse. Be careful with that sorry little game the enemy plays. And he uses that victim mentality all day, every day. Can I tell you something? It's time that we grow up here in America and go back to an older school of thinking where we said, don't ask what your country can do for you. Can you imagine if someone were to say that on a national platform today? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. People would freak out in the media. Some of you are going, pastors quoting Democrats now. Can I tell you, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm a Christian with some common sense. I'm a Christian with common sense. 
We have to stop this victim mentality that everything has to be done for us. Go out, you live in the most prosperous nation in the history of the world and make something of it. Make something of it, but start in your home with your children and your spouse and your marriage. You want a great marriage? Build it. Well, I thought you were gonna build it for me. I'm having trouble building my own. Amen? Stop whining. Put your attitude in charge of your emotions. What does it mean, put your attitude in charge of your emotions? That means we have to decide. It doesn't matter how we feel. But I don't feel like I love him anymore. God didn't ask you how you feel. God said love. God, love is a choice. But, but I don't feel like being happy today. God said, I didn't give you a choice. He said, get up and bless my name. He's trying to help you. You get good at what you practice. If you constantly are just led by your emotions, you'll never overcome them. He said, but pastor, sometimes sadness is real. Absolutely, sadness is real. But what are you going to let it do to you? Sometimes sorrow is real. Yeah, but what are you going to let it do to you? Pastor, you're so cold. You just don't understand what it is to lose a father or a grandfather or somebody you care about. Maybe I am cold when it comes to that, but I'll see him in glory. My father, my father passed away. I was in the mission field. My, oh, my grandmother. And uh, my father called me and said, Pastor or Chris, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to minister. I'm going to preach the word. They're counting on me tomorrow night. We're doing this big crusade in Belize or wherever we were. Um, I'm not coming home. He said, word, good. I said, Grandpa's, at, Grandma's in heaven. Grandpa's in heaven. What do they need me there for? And you go, but, but Pastor, I don't, I don't get it. What's there to get? This ain't my home. This ain't your home. You live for something greater. You believe in something greater. Hold that deep in your heart. Let that be your strength. You are not of this world. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. What does that mean? It means let your spirit be nourished with good medicine of joy. Paul says it this way, finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, virtuous, praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meaning you may feel a certain way, you may feel sadness, you may feel down, you may feel hurt, you may feel sorrow, but what are you going to focus on? Because what you focus on will determine the direction in which you go. Because in my sorrow, in my sadness, in my hurt, if I focus in the negative direction, then I'm going to go in a negative direction. If I focus on what is wrong for me and what's going to take me deeper into the hole, then guess what? I go deeper into the hole. So in my sadness and in my sorrow and in my hurt and in my mourning, I focus on the one above. I focus on God. I focus on his word. I focus on what he has said. And he has said... Guess what? Mourn for a time, but then after that, remember, you'll see him again. I got work for you to do. Come on. Well, I don't like focusing that way. Why not? It's the truth. 
Say, Pastor, man, it would be hard growing up in your household. I'm going to leave it like that. Be a positive person of gratitude. You say, but Pastor, I'm having trouble with, I've had trouble with gratitude. And I literally started making a list. And the more I made that list, the more it pulled my life in that direction. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs says. And those who love it eat its fruit. Another version puts it this way. Those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died from saying the wrong thing to their wives. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Let's go to the next one. The message puts it this way. Words kill, but words can also give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. We get to choose. See, faith is a choice. The choice is is here before you. Paul tells the Thessalonians this. He says, the church in Thessalonica, rejoice always. That means be a grateful people. If you're having trouble with a positive mindset, start making a list of things you can be grateful for. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. Everything give thanks. It changes your mindset. See, when you give thanks, You're here in a tough situation, in a tribulation. The enemy's done something. You've lost a loved one. Am I going to focus this way and move away from the cross, or am I going to focus towards the cross? The minute you start to give thanks, it turns your direction towards Jesus. And once you point in that direction, all you have to do is take that first step. And then he'll give you the strength to take the next step. Because what he wants you to do is be led by the Spirit of God. The enemy wants you to quench that spirit. Stay with me on this because we go to the next point and that's promise. So we talked about being positive, that's faith. Faith is believing. Promise is hope and it's knowing. There's a difference between the way we think of faith and the way the ancients thought of faith. I mean, excuse me, hope. I meant to say hope. The way we think of hope and the way the ancients thought of hope. When I say, I hope I can make it, What does that mean? Michael, if you invited me somewhere and I go, man, we'll see how it goes. I I hope I can do it. I'm going to hope. What does that mean? People are shaking their heads like, it ain't happening, right? How many of you go, man, I hope I can do this. I hope I can do that. That's kind of wishful thinking. It's like a 50-50 shot. I'll see how I think and how I feel at the time. I hope we can get around to it. I hope we have enough time. I hope I can get you out on time. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, you're getting it. Can I tell you, in the New Testament, when someone said hope, it meant, I know. I know, and this is how it's used. When they say, my hope is in glory, my hope is in God, okay, it's past faith. We think of hope as being below faith. Faith starts first. This is how you first encounter God, and once you've encountered him, now you hope. Why? Because you know he's true. He know, you know he's faithful. You know he doesn't lie. You know he saved you. Oh, come on now. See, first I believe God is the answer. Now I know he's the answer. Why? Because he's proven it to me. Some of us need to move from faith to hope. And not not a hope like we have here, like I hope to finish on time. No, no. 
it's, it's a done deal. The hope is on God's promise. See, I want to take you to a place where you truly understand this hope in terms of a story of the Old Testament. You had, you had, you had 12 spies asked to go into the promised land. This is what God has promised. Now, I want you to think about this. Are they dealing with faith or are they dealing with hope? Some have not even settled their faith. I want you to think about this in the New Testament. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I truly believe it's a progression. You start with faith. You cannot encounter, encounter God without faith. But once you encounter him, then it's hope. And love will forever abide as we live with him in heaven because he is love. It's the greatest. Okay. So you encounter him when you're a slave. And you encounter him by having faith. He says, I'm going to set you free. Behold, set my people free that they may come and worship me. How does he do it? He begins to do miraculous things, 10 miraculous things. He leads them through the desert. He's covering them at night. He's, uh, excuse me, he's covering them during the day. He's lighting up and keeping them warm at night. He's feeding them from heaven. He's giving them water from a rock. He's doing all of these things. And then he takes them to the promised land. This is the place of hope. Why? Because I've already shown you, you can have faith in me. Now you should believe me. And I've shown you who I am. Now it's time for you to know who I am. Okay? He takes him to the promised land. He says, look over the other side. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let you go in. And when you go in, I want you to come back full of that hope and share it with the other people. What do they tend to focus on? They focus on all the giants in the land. And they focus, the more they focus on the giants, the less significant they feel. Can I tell you, the enemy will always have you focusing on giants. And he'll tell you, there's no hope. There's no hope for your marriage. There's no hope for a better spouse. There's no hope. There's no good guys out there. I had this one young man that I was discipling once, and he said this to me. Hayden, he said, he said, Pastor, there's just not enough girls at foundation. <laughs> this is what he said. He goes, I'm going to have to go to a bigger church. And I said, no, I said, that, that's cool. No, I get where you're coming from. You know, we didn't have a, long, a strong uh, uh, and vibrant uh, young adults ministry at the time. And, and he says, we, I just need, and I said, but, but can I ask you a question? How many girls do you need? How many girls do you plan to marry? And he's like, well, I only, I only need one. I said, good. I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Because if you only need one, then why do you need a, a bunch? Trust God. What has God told you? God told me he would bring the girl to me. Then why are you chasing? God's going to bring the girl and, he, and, the, and the guy who stayed is going to get her. So he, he settled it in his heart and he let the faith turn to hope. That means I know it's going to happen. I can believe God's promise. Two weeks later, a girl came from halfway around the world where she was doing missionary work. She had been from, from uh, New Hampshire, I don't know where, and all these things. God brought her straight to little old Bastrop. You just need one. But it starts with faith. But you got to get to hope at some point. 
See, the truth is you've got to face the giants where you're living. You've got to face the giants. I'll tell you of another story. There was, a, there was a couple, and I shared this on Wednesday night. How many of you heard the story on Wednesday night? See, not that many come on Wednesday night from second service. Second service, what's going on here? I'm just going to share this. Um, there's a blessing on Wednesday night. There's a feast happening on Wednesday night. So, so this is, what, ha- this is what, what I shared on Wednesday night. There was a couple, and they were, they were empty nesters. Their children, they had five children. They raised a, a, a son and then four girls. And they raised them all. They, they were out of the home, and they were breaking up. How many of you know the enemy is never done messing with you? Some of us let our guard down, and we think, well, well we're past the hard part. The enemy is never done messing with you. And so he was breaking up their marriage. He had, he had developed all sorts of bad habits. They were, they, were, they were in a horrible mindset. They were terribly frustrated with each other. They had already called it quits. And this was the last ditch effort. And I can't, I'll never forget what I did for them. And, and I didn't do this, but this is what God put on my heart. I said, I know this is unconventional. I'm not a counselor. I'm just a man who, who wants to follow the prompting of God. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I talked it over with Pastor Melissa and we decided we're just going to paint a picture for them. I want to give them vision. I want to carry them in spiritually into the promised land and see if hope will ignite. So I said, imagine you guys hand in hand skipping in the church because you're so in love. And they're like, Your knees don't hurt. You feel awesome. Why do you feel awesome? Because the person that you are so in love with is the hand you're holding. And you got your kids out of the house. You did the hard part. And now you can experience the honeymoon of a lifetime, a second one, because you know how to do it right this time. And and I began to really, really just just paint this picture of closeness and going to see their their grandchildren and experiencing just the beauty and fullness of retirement and the next facet of life and this time of, and, and I said, I want you to see if you can truly know that's what God has because when you can grab that picture, you can begin to defeat the giants in your life. Some of us need to fight against those giants. Some of us need to chase those giants. Some of us need to get into that land and believe. And beyond belief, you have to know that you know that you know that God has good plans for you, that God is not going to leave you, that God has everything. And draw a line in the sand and say divorce is not an option. I'm believing for my promise. Well, something clicked for them that day. You know what clicked? They went from believing to knowing. And when you know, then it shall be done. It shall be done. Today, they came, they were just here. They've retired in Florida. They were just here two weeks ago. And I never forget, that, that first Sunday before they retired, when they walked in, hand in hand, skipping, and they go, they go, look at this. You wanna hear how it gets better? When they retired and they moved to Florida, he was, he, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Not only that, he had several other life-threatening, not, like cancer wasn't enough. The enemy really came against him. But after knowing 
what God had done for him in his marriage, he said, you didn't bring me this far just to leave me. He was able to claim promise for healing and God healed him. Not only that, he said to me, I'll never be able to repay what God did for me because if it hadn't been for my beautiful wife, I don't know how I would have ever made it through this difficult time. See, the enemy was trying to do a number on them and he's trying to do a number on you. But greater is he who is within you. You say, okay, pastor, what should I do? Well, know this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. See, God is the God of hope and he will fill you with joy and peace where you're totally relaxed because you know that he's got it taken care of. In believing that you may abound in hope, How do you abound in hope? By the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go through quick little points that you can put into practice. You got to choose hope. Every day, you got to choose. I know that I know that I know that you are faithful, God. Breathe in God's word. You got to surround yourself with God's word. Listen to it day and night. Listen to worship, which that's uh, number three. Worship is your weapon. Begin to worship and cast out the enemy. And you have to know that there is a power spirit, a powerful spiritual force. And it's the Holy Spirit. And it's what worship does. It changes the atmosphere. There's an evil force at work too. I'll never forget, I was going through a procedure back when I was really sick, Josh, and they rolled me into that, that room where they're about to give me anesthesia. And and all the, guy, all the people are in there, and the doctor's in there, and they have Black, Black Sabbath playing. And that's from my younger years, I recognized it, and I got up straight up in that, in, that, uh, in that bed they had me in, and I said, turn that crap off. Some of you are looking at me like they did. He said, Pastor, you don't have to get so agitated. Some of you are too civilized for your own good. Some of you don't get agitated enough. You're not going to play Black Sabbath over me while I'm about to go into a medical procedure? Are you crazy? Some of you are going, oh, pastor, it's not that big a deal. Do you believe there's power in words? Well, you, I mean, then you haven't encountered the power of this word. Because the power of God's word says there is power in words. There is power of the spirit that's being played over you or what's being taken place in the spirit. You're not going to be in an, in an operating room playing crap over me. If you want to play something, you play God's blessing. Play amazing grace. Amazing grace. You go, well, uh, well I, I, I don't know. if it, Can you do that? Why not? I'm the patient. I'm paying you, aren't I? Some of you need to gird yourself up. Enemy's stealing from you, and you're sitting there being civilized. Okay? Power in worship, power in fellowship. The Bible says, put put the verse back up there, and I'll finish right now. The verse we just read. There we go. 
Now, may the God of hope fill you. Do you realize that that you is plural? That you is plural. So he's literally filling us as we come together. That's fellowship. So we go back to the list. That's fellowship. And then we walk in the spirit. How do you walk in the spirit? Well, the Bible says the verse we just read before that in Thessalonians. In Thessalonians, watch this. You do these things and you don't quench the spirit. That means the spirit wants to take control. Watch this. Go back to Romans. And in Romans, he says that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit takes control, he gives you power to have this hope, this confidence, this absolute assurance, which leads to love. Love. Now, this is where I want to finish. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come up and you say, Pastor, you didn't leave any time for love. I'm going to spend the entire week next week talking about love. But I want to introduce it right now because you can never talk enough about love. And the reason I preach so hard at you, I tried to give my, all my passion. It's because I do believe that the enemy is trying to break up marriages and you have to have faith and hope to combat him. And the Bible says that you can lose your first love. It almost happened to us. Pastor Melissa and I fell in love when we were teenagers. I don't know if you know that. She was six years old when she met me. I was nine and my dad came to pastor her church her parents' church, and she met me at six years old, and she said, um, wow, I like that guy. I want to marry him. I was 15 when, when, when uh, I decided I wanted to marry her. So some of y'all think that's, oh, how cute. I think it's kind of creepy, but <laughs> six years old wants to marry a nine-year-old. But, but no, baby, oh, she's going she to get me later. Um, but but at 15, I remember coming back because we had moved away by that time. And um, her great-grandfather's uh, funeral, and my dad came back to honor his memory because he loved him dearly. And I saw her, she was 13, and I was like, wow. Maybe I was 16. I go, whoa, Lord, what happened here? And so I remember thinking to myself, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to study hard. I want to go to UT. I want to date Melissa, and I want to marry her. And I told my brothers that. And so, you know, one of my life verses is God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could hope for, ask for, or dream of. So he improved my plan. He sent me to Baylor University. I dated her. I married her. And we have a beautiful life. Huh? <laughs> She's going, yeah, you're going to pay for that last comment. Um, but there was a time when we got so caught up in ministry, and I say this because even in ministry, you can lose your first love. Even always around God's people, but, but the enemy has a way of etching away at you. And so we'd be frustrated at home, or we'd be, we'd be letting the pressures of ministry get to us to where we started blaming each other and, and getting upset with one another. And so then, you know, it's not, 
It wasn't uncommon for us to be yelling at each other at home and getting angry with one another and then showing up to church and being like, hey, how y'all doing? God bless you. <laughs> Anyone know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm yelling at her and, and she's yelling at me and she's going, that's, the, that's not Christ-like. And I'm going, yeah, this is before Kanye. Some of y'all are looking at me like, what are y'all talking about? See, first service had it because they had some young people in the room. Y'all, y'all, aren't, y'all aren't hip. You're not hip. But, but I'll never forget when we went to a, um, to a marriage seminar. And they reminded us that just because you're in the church doesn't make you immune or exempt from Satan's attacks. And they said, many people in the church get so caught up worrying about this or that, or, or, or they, they get caught up in doing for God that they, they, they miss loving God. And sometimes we get so caught up in doing and, and working out the relationship, the particulars of taking kids back and forth and doing this and that, that we miss loving each other. And so I just want you to look at what Paul said about love. Be patient and kind. This week, can you just come back to saying, I just want to be patient and kind. I'm going to stop blaming you. I'm going to be positive and I'm going to build you up and you're going to build me up and we're going to build each other up and we're going to go back to that place where we first fell in love and we're going to peek into the promised land of what God has for us and we're going to believe. No, we're not going to believe. We're going to know. We're going to know that it shall be done. And that's the way we're going to pray. And that's the way we're going to approach life. And divorce is not an option. We're burning the boat, so to speak. We can't retreat. We're facing these giants. We're taking care of them. But first with faith and then knowing, and then we're going to just start releasing God's love. So this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to take that verse, Romans 13, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and just start reading it over yourselves every day this week. And right now, before we go any further, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Some of y'all are taking pictures. That's awesome. You can also download our app and it'll be on the app. But I just want you to to take take some time and, and, and bow your heads and let me pray something over you. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we just read how powerful your spirit is. I pray that you would touch our hearts right here, right now. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. And begin to highlight some areas in each and every one of our lives that we should pray for right here, right now. And then, God, I pray that you give us the courage to do so. In Jesus' awesome, holy name we pray. Amen. Would you come up and pray? Let's stand.